Hoops Adjacent is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. You want to see the Heat play on Friday against LeBron and the Lakers? Well, you should go and see what they got over there at uh, at our friends' game time. They might be able to help you out. With game time, you can buy your tickets in just two taps. You know what I wish I could do in two taps? I wish I could clean my basement. My basement is dirty and needs cleaning. I can't do it in two taps, but you can get tickets in two taps with game time. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Got to get that house clean, David. I know. It's a mess. Should we do a GoFundMe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Let's bring D.A. into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma is Jason on the Athletic Podcast Network. I turned it on and I heard Shaq with the barbs and just like the bullshit and the braggadocio. I was transported right back into it. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I think I rap better than Shaq. With David, David Aldridge. Aldridge. Oh, he's totally playing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Come on. We're friends, aren't we? And then he yeah. cut their lungs out and gave everybody on TV. <laughs> was not your friend. So the Chicago and Detroit stuff, that was real. That was real. I mean, God forbid we don't have scholarship monies and can't pay for the charters for the water polo <laughs> in Iowa. Hoops adjacent. Welcome to Hoop 5, 4, we have ignition. Hello, bro. And it's another edition of Hoops Adjacent. I am David Aldridge in the bunker here in D.C., my man, Waz Lambray, back out on the left coast, the best coast. Waz, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. It's a brisk 59 degrees today here in Southern California, oh but I'm maintaining Did they somehow. close the schools? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did they, is it a yeah. state of emergency? There, are no there... snow day because there's no there's no precipitation today, so okay. people are fine. Right. Um, but, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's tough maintaining, right. man. So the army, army trucks aren't in the streets? <laughs> no, not, not yet. National Guard hasn't been called in yet. Um, FEMA can still chill. <laughs> it's just a matter of when. That's okay. So we're good. Yeah. So I want to start. Um, I, I, I'm I'm so tired of hearing myself talk about the Warriors. I want to talk about somebody else. Even though I'm yep. fascinated by them sucking the way that they do this year, I want to talk about another team that's sucking and then and then decided to blame the head coach for their suckingness. And of course, that's the Knicks, who fired Dave Fisdale last week. And I'm not saying they were wrong to do it. I mean, they had gotten their doors blown off at home, you know, the couple of days before by Denver. Yeah. It was embarrassing. They obviously had kind of quit on Fizz. So I'm not saying that he's wrong, that they were wrong to make the move. But I think that's such that's so low on the on the list of what's wrong with that organization. <laughs> like, Man. You know, so I guess I would just start with like. Is that job even the job you would want if you're a coach, given the ownership, given the, you know, the kind of lack of interest in building a team the way that every other team in the league has done, which is build through the draft, build through young players, or at least if you're going to build through free agency and try to get free agents, at least get one. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so here's my thing with the Knicks job, right? Obviously, everybody knows what's wrong with the owners. But if you're in management, meaning you're a coach or an executive, um, I have a buddy, for example, who's a musician, right? He's not mm -hmm. like uber famous, but he's popular. He he makes money. He, he's able to pay his bills via his music career, right? And he told me, he was like, look, if you get booked by, say, a college or if you get booked by one of these corporate festivals like Coachella or Lollapalooza or something, mm -hmm. you get way above, maybe 20% above what your market rate is. And that's the Knicks job. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. an <laughs> so it's attractive based off of that alone, right? Like if you are a GM, whatever you think you could have got from, say, Portland or Indiana, you can tack on 
however, 20, 30, even maybe even 40 percent more onto your salary and your salary is guaranteed. So there's that. Yeah. And of course, there's the market like New York City. I mean, I can think of only a few places that it's better to be when you're filthy rich, mm. which if you are the ex- the chief executive of the Knicks or the head coach of the Knicks, you're going to be filthy rich. And yeah. that's a pretty nice place to live when you can afford to, right? Like, yeah. there are those two things. Um, outside of that, man, um, I don't know. I, I think one of the things it's like uh, if you do – if you are successful with the Knicks, I think the amount of credit that you're going to get for it is going to be outsized. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, if you do turn that thing around, like, you're going to – you're gonna, it's going to be a pretty nice life for you. But, again, as you just mentioned, the, the deck is just stacked against you when you see, think about James Dolan yeah. and 20 years of ineptitude. Well, see, that's the thing was. I used to think the same thing, same way you, you do, which is, well, there's only 30 of these jobs. And, you know, somebody will turn it around and they'll have a parade in the Canyon of Heroes and all that when they turn it around. And, and you know what? Bump that, man. I just don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I, it just seems – it's just not – to me – there's nothing that suggests that this is ever going to turn around anytime soon. I just don't see anything in their organization, in terms of their reputation, in terms of their you know, ability. And again, I keep coming back to this. They can't get guys to play in New York. <laughs> you know what I'm hmm. saying? How is that that they that you could say that like Kevin Durant can say with a straight face, well, all the juice is in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn just got here like five no. minutes ago. No. <laughs> you know what I'm There's saying? There's no juice in so, but um, but he, but the point is, he believes it. Whether he, whether it's true right. or not, he believes it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, they had everything cleared to get KD and Kyrie. Now, you know, things happen. I'm not saying that it is bad that they, you know, they didn't get one of them. Sure, but you got it. You didn't get both of them, I should say. But you got to get one of them. And if you don't get them, you got to get somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, And there had to be a contingency. There had to be a plan B. Right. Obviously, they went all – like you knew they were all in on the idea of the two free agents when they traded away Chris Stapps Porzingis. When I don't care what anybody says, this idea that Porzingis would have played on a qualifying offer this year coming off of a bum right. knee right. and not taking a max – no – and this is still a fact. No player coming off of his rookie deal has ever turned down a max contract extension. Exactly. People have turned down extensions before. Yes. Um, plenty of people have turned down the extensions, but nobody has ever said no to their max offer being, you know, a, 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 a piece of paper saying basically you sign this paper and you're a hundred fifty millionaire. Nobody's ever done that in the history of the NBA. So this idea that Porzingis was being a diva and he yeah. wanted out and his brother was making noise and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's nonsense. They could have kept Porzingis. So it's obvious they went all in on the idea that they were bringing two Max guys in. Right. But even still, when you're all in on that, you have to have a backup plan. There has to be contingencies, particularly when you're dealing with somebody like Kevin Durant, who – by all indications, David, anybody who's ever talked to him, been around Kevin, um, excuse me, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. he's a fickle guy. Yeah. He changes his mind a lot. Yep. He's very flimsy, flip-flop kind of guy. You could never bet the farm on the idea that this guy wouldn't change his mind, you know, five, four, four months out. Right. You know, so the fact that they didn't have a, a, a viable plan B and then they came out and they did the, the press conference to talk about, you know, uh, we 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 didn't get the free agents. Instead of, by the way, they just drafted a kid named R.J. Barrett. Right. Instead of coming out and being like, we got R.J. Barrett. Right. We're excited about um this guy. We're excited about that. They talked about the free agents they didn't get, then tried to sell us on, you know, the Morris twin. And, and, well, <laughs> and come on. Like, that was ridiculous. Julius Randle, this was ridiculous yeah, from the I start. D- I just didn't. I didn't understand. And look, I like Scott Perry. Um, I'm probably one of the few people <laughs> that that uh, actually like Steve Mills, you know, over the years. But that doesn't mean you can't judge what they've done, you know, as, as a group together so far. And it just it's 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 not close to working. It's not close to being good enough. Um, and, you know, yeah, they got flexibility and yeah, they can try this again, you know, in a year or two. But. Why would why would you believe they'd be any more successful in 2021, say, than they were this past summer in, in getting people to come there? I just it's a it's a scary thing to me. And that's why I think it's a it's a bigger to me. It's bigger than any one coach or any or the GM or, or anything. It's it's that what for whatever reason, players, 
agents do not want to go there. <laughs> they don't want to go there. Like to your point, like who wouldn't want to be a superstar player in New York City making a max contract? Well, yeah. LeBron doesn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. KD doesn't want to do it. Anthony Davis doesn't want to do it. All these guys don't want to do it. And so that speaks to, to me, a much larger problem with that organization than the year to year you know, we stink this year. We suck this year. We only won 17 games last year um, because guys have gone to bad teams before, you know, for, for different reasons. But but they go, you know, but they're not going to the Knicks. And this that seems to me that there's something fundamentally wrong, structurally wrong that gets people bent out of shape with that, with wanting to be the first guy in. And that's something that should really concern them. Yeah, that being said, man, um, I think if they if they really make it their priority to try to draw talent in the management position, they really offer somebody fifteen to twenty million dollars a year. Yeah. I, I think they can get somebody good. Well, um, I mean, you know, there's always <laughs> like you know, there's always. Well, I mean, they, they there's always talk about Masai Ujiri, you know, and we've heard that yep. for years, you know, and. I, I, I'm not, look, Masai Ujiri is his own man. He can make up his own mind. I, to me, I'm not sure what the motivation would be to leave a place like Toronto where you're the king of a country, essentially. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like you're the number one basketball guy in the entire country. Yeah. And you have access to all the international type of talent, revenue, you know, businesses that you have in the United States, you know, being in Toronto. Um, and then coming to New York, and again, it's not just that you're coming to a team that hasn't won. You're coming to work for for James Dolan, you know. Yeah. And there's a graveyard full of people that tried to work for James Dolan, and it didn't work out. So, Talented people, yeah, all smart the same people. people, yeah, good people, you know. you know. So you just wonder, wow, you know. I'm not saying and, it couldn't happen, but I don't know. And a side thing to this, which, you know, I know a lot of people listening to this don't care about, but I, it happens to be something that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't realize this is the first um, trio of black GM, black president, black head coach in the right. history of the NBA. Right. This has never happened before. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's not like it got a lot of publicity or a lot of coverage. Um, It's just kind of crazy that, like, James Dolan put, the, put together the first, you know— yeah. Trio yeah. of that kind in the history yeah. of what is labeled the quote unquote blackest sport in America, yeah. right? Um, you know, so I'm uh, a part of me is sad to see that not you know not be able to work out in the way that it could have, and of course I'm sad for all my people back in New York who are just these people are just battered and abused. Yeah. Man, I told you it's like when you go to like one of those dog shelters and you see the dog that <laughs> could barely look people in the eye, <laughs> and, you know, like right. he, he flinches every time at his own shadow. Cause he's just been so abused by these terrible owners previously. That's Knicks fans right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to um, also talk about another team. They don't have the, the history of, of futility that the Knicks do, but my God, what is going on in new Orleans? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, you know it's hard to say, David. Like I, I like I think they should be playing like they're not playing up to the talent level of the roster, right? right? And I don't think there's anybody who's like carping or not not responding to coaching or whatever. It just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. Um and at the end of the day, like people were talking about, oh, this could be an HT blah 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 with Zion like I think we can all agree, like, even with Zion, the way this team has been playing, they're not a playoff team. Wow. Um, I don't know, they, man. I thought they, they – I don't think so. He's still a rookie, David. I no, mean, no question. It's not, a, but it's, not about, it's not about him. It's about – you brought in Derek Favors. You brought in J.J. Redick. Yeah. You had yeah. Jeru Holiday. I mean, you had some good vets on that, on that squad, along with, you know, Ingram having a breakout year. I mean, it's, there's more than enough talent there. For them to be able to play better than this, this is insane how bad they are. And I can't, yeah. I, it's hard for me to believe they're 27th in defensive rating. They're down there with the Cavaliers and the Hawks and the Wizards. You know what I mean? Like the worst defensive teams in the league. So I'm not saying they should be, you know, locking people down, but my God, they, they've got enough talent to be better than this. And so, you, you know, I just, it's just stunning to me. That a team, even in the West, I grant you it's the West is harder, but even a team 
in the West would be six and 18 and lost nine straight. That just doesn't make, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it it's tough. Um, and you know, again, the, the, the Lakers guys, I think, I think Brandon Ingram has played well. Like people still carp about, you know, his on court, on off numbers, the yeah. plus minus. I think yeah. what you're seeing in him is real. Like this is a guy who at his size with his ball handling ability, he's his willingness yeah. um, to take the three. Now, this guy's an effective player, I think, is is trending in that direction. I, I love Ingram. I think from this summer, he's mm-hmm. going to, you know, he's going to he's going to earn a max contract. One of these other crummy teams that'll have a lot of space this summer, and I think he's earned that, right? Yeah. I, and I think he's, you know, you've you've been able to see what you need to see out of him. Um, Drew Holiday, uh, if I were them, I'd be looking to move him, get pieces. He's not on the same timeline as the young guys. Yeah, uh, you might be right. You know, it might be time. You know, yeah. it might be time to, to to just move on and start selling the stuff for parts and get the rebuild fully started. I I don't know. I was somebody who was a bit skeptical of the idea that this team, basically with the the whole Lakers team from last year, <laughs> plus Drew Holiday and Zion, right. was somehow going to be a better team than LeBron with them. I I, I just had a hard time seeing that yeah. on me personally. So I'm not really that surprised by the start, right? Like, and you mix injuries into all of that. You mix. Um, it's a new, brand new team. Like, there's no continuity there. I'm not. That surprise. I think they should be a little bit better, but I'm not that perturbed by the start. And I think when Zion comes back, it's going to look look a lot more better and more hopeful. Oh, no and question. You just you just wonder how long, you know, I'm sure the coaches have got to be, you know, coaches got to win tonight. That's what they care about is the game tonight. And, you know, they've Alvin Gentry is a, is a good coach and has been for a while. And you just wonder, wow, you know, the, Dave Griffin did not hire Alvin Gentry. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he's got he's got free reign to do whatever he thinks is right to to get that thing rolling. So I, I'm definitely gonna keep an eye on that one because that I hear what you're saying, but they shouldn't be six and eighteen with that talent, man. Come on, the Wizards the Wizards have won seven. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come <Yeah>. on, man. <laughs> man. That's crazy. Um, well, speaking of DC, um, wanted to run this by you, and then we're going to bring in Brooke Olsendam, who is the courtside reporter for the Blazers, to talk about all things Portland here in a minute or two. But um, I'm always curious about how people view things outside of my city because I know my yeah. I tend to get myopic about DC and what's going on here. You know, there's a big old country outside of the outside of the Beltway. Um, but I was fascinated by by the idea of. Are people paying any attention or or I'm sure they're paying attention, but are they moved in any way by the fact that we're about to have the third impeachment of a sitting U.S. president in history? I mean, is that like out there? Are people talking about it? Do they have opinions on it or is it just like they don't really care? You know, the crazy thing, David, is that like I consider myself to be somebody who's a political animal. Yeah. Like I care about this stuff. I pay attention to it with the impeachment stuff, with the it, the problem with the Trump stuff is fatigue. Yeah. It's like just think about it from uh, January of 2017 to now the sheer um, volume of scandal of just like. This isn't normal. This doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. This might be a crime. This is corruption. This mm-hmm. is like when you. It, if you actually sat down and listed all of it since January of 2000, it's a lot. Yeah. It's no a lot. Nobody, we've never dealt with this volume mm-hmm. of just pure scandal and treachery. And I think it's just fatigue. I think that's what it is. And a lot of times it's like some of this stuff is, it, for, for some people, I don't think the impeachment, the impeachment inquiry and this, all the stuff, the coverage surrounding it can kind of penetrate. Um, the normal person who isn't super geared into it is just like, wait, he talked to some guy from Ukraine <laughs> and nothing actually happened, but he asked for it to happen. And right. is that illegal? It's not. So what's the it's like all of these things. It's not as easy as Bill Clinton got one of his subordinates to perform sexual acts on him. And then lied about it under like that's so easy, right? <laughs> and we live in this like super puritanical country where like any freaking sex is gonna make news, and mm-hmm. like anything sex related is gonna be like, oh my goodness, plut, um, pearl clutching. And I think that like this is just a little, it's more nuanced than 
the guy did this, it was wrong, he cheated, he lied, he did like that's so much easier and so much more base than this impeachment stuff, quite frankly. Right. No, I just wonder about it because you know, I know that we're a polarized country and everybody's got their opinions and they're not nothing nothing anybody says is gonna change anybody's mind on Donald Trump, one way or the other. You either love him yeah. or you hate him. And there's nothing in between. There's no undecided voters on this one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so but it just it just fascinates me that I get the sense that while people and I think part of it, I think part of it is you're exactly right. There is a fatigue. It's like, well, which scandal is this? Is this Stormy Daniels or is this yep. 2016? Yeah. Or is this 2020? Mm. Which one is this? You know, what did he do? And, and then, but I is think it all, Trump University, Trump University, like, you know, I mean, all these things that are going on. But I think, you know, is it also we're in the middle of the holiday season? And, and frankly, people yeah. are just more interested in getting either getting their Amazon on or getting to the mall before it gets too crowded and getting their Christmas shopping done. And and they just don't have time for it. I mean, I, I I would like to think we could do two things at once, but I fear that we really can't as a country. We kind of no, kind of just do one thing at a time. And, and it's very hard to penetrate that bubble, you know. Also, part of it, too, Dave, I think the people who do support our president, um, I think a lot of those people are resigned to the fact that this thing is ha- happening. Yeah. Like because at a certain point, it's like we're not even debating whether something happened or, or didn't, mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about, is this like criminal? Right. Is this like, this like, we, we, it's like, it's been established that this happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's another part of it. Like the facts aren't even in question anymore. Right. Right. It's not like back when we were denying, um, did the Russians in like all of the facts are there. And I think the people who support him have been resigned to the fact that like, yeah, he's going to get impeached. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think people kind Kind of understand that, like, and again, it's been pretty much since the since go. Right. It's been scandal after scandal after scandal after scandal after scandal. It just hasn't stopped. And then, dude, like, just think about you know the president before this. Um, how many people in and around Trump's orbit have been sent to prison? Right. Like, there have already been three, four, five arrests, prison sentences handed down. Right. Guilty, please. <laughs> you know, Manafort and like all, all of these people have gone to prison. They're in the pokey, David. Like, what are we like? Like. Could you imagine if an Obama associate, like no. his national security director, his campaign man, went to prison oh, for crimes connected to yeah. his campaign? No, no. I mean, he would have been impeached already, you know. So, And again, <laughs> we're on the third and fourth person that this is yeah. happening to. Like, I think people just I, like somebody like me. I understand the gravity of the situation because I remember, again, with hypersensitivity, we're all watching Barry's presidency and like the things that like got to the level of quote unquote scandal. Mm-hmm. The tan suit <laughs> was three days. Beer summit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beer yeah. summit. Mm-hmm. When he called the freak when he called the cops idiots for right. what they did to Skip Gates. Right, right. That's what When I'm he about, said yeah. Trayvon Martin reminds him of himself and his family. Yeah. These yeah. were the scandals. Yeah. Well, that's why I just I just wondered about it. You know, and again, I don't think it's because of anything other than, you know, I don't think there's any persuadables in any direction. You know, I mean, I think whoever's who was inclined to support president, the president is going to keep supporting him. And those who want him out are going to keep wanting him out. You know what I mean? So it's not like public opinion. I don't think it's going to move in any huge direction one way or the other after this happens. So, um, no, I was just curious about it. Um, you know, what, what was going on if this was something that, that being here living in DC, it's, it, it, it consumes almost all of your day. Um, nah, it's not cons- and, anything in Los Angeles. No, nah, not, <laughs> not in the law. Right not in the law. <laughs> Probably not. You know what? Yeah. But you know who can be persuaded, David? I think what you're going to see is people's less willingness to, own up to their admiration in public. Yeah. Well, that's always think, been the case, though, I think. You know, mm-hmm. that that you might hear the people that were banging the drum, a few of them, they're quietly moving on with their lives. But as far as like, oh, this was a disaster, a mistake. Um, right. It's a, like, you know, it's a blotch on our history as Americans, as a country, as a people. Nah. Well, I'm sure it's not an issue in Portland, Oregon. And that's where we're going next to talk to my friend Brooke Olsendam about the Blazers. We'll be right back.
Waz, you hungry? I know I'm hungry. I want some dinner soon. Yeah, it's been like that since February 6, 1987. Yeah. Nothing's changed. (laughs) Look, your parents don't pack your lunches anymore, but you still need to eat. Have your favorite restaurants brought to you with DoorDash. Brown paper bag not included. Have your favorite restaurants brought to you with DoorDash. Brown paper bag not included. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code HOOPS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code HOOPS. Don't forget, that's promo code HOOPS for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. great perks about this job was is that you can have you know gms on who give you the corporate and then you can have people on who are your friends who tell you what's really happening you know like like we had jason jackson on a few weeks ago he told us the truth about the heat he didn't sugarcoat it right <laughs> yep. no and so now we have the fantastic brooke olsendam who is the courtside reporter for the blazers and she'll tell us all the real stuff that's going on in the 503 <laughs> hello brooke how are you my dear <laughs> I'm so good and so happy to be on, guys. And yes, I, I'll give it to you straight. But uh, Jason Jackson, man, I, I didn't know I was following up uh, Jason. That's a tough one. The Jack show is uh, on 10 at all times. It's only because you weren't available that week. We had to go through the list <laughs> and he was down at the bottom. But it's OK. It's all right. It worked out. So here, so we are now, what is it, a, 11 games into Life with Carmelo? Mm-hmm. And Carmelo is shooting four, and since he's gotten there, he's shooting forty percent from the floor. <laughs> he's shooting forty percent on threes. His usage rate is twenty four point four percent, and Portland is five and six. So, in other words, it's just like always with Melo, right? I mean, it's this is kind of what he does, right? It's what he does. He's been steady. Um, it's been it's been a fun ride. I got to tell you, like we were on that road trip. It was six games uh, on the road, and he joined us halfway through. In- the road, the road trip wasn't going very well. We won the first game and then dropped a few. And then Mello came and it was so interesting. It was like, well, we looked at each other like, well, things aren't going great, but man, it's never a dull moment around here. That's for sure. <laughs> and so he, he arrived and there was, a, of course, a ton of media at the game. And, and it's just been, it's just been interesting, but with, but it's been fun. I, I'll say that, you know, it's kind of up and down season. The guys are still trying to figure it out, but with the addition of Carmelo, it's added just a a whole different feel to it. And he's been wonderful with us, the media. He's, he's just been so, so courteous and thoughtful. And I, I, you know, you never know what to expect, especially, I mean, we have Damian Lillard who is a superstar, but I mean, Melo is a mega star, you mm-hmm. know, he's, in, he's international. It's a whole, it's, and I, I put Dame up there too, but I just, I'm, I say this from a standpoint of everyone else around the world that Melo is just, he's mellow. So it's, it's been fun just to kind of see on the road even. I mean, it's like it's like we don't really travel anymore because we have people chanting Mello on the road and cheering <laughs> for him on the road. It's su- such an interesting thing. But uh, he's been great, and it's been fun to kind of see uh, Dame and CJ and everyone so supportive of him. They really welcomed him with open arms. You, you, you kind of wonder sometimes how that fit's going to be. You know, this is Dame's team, but mm-hmm. he, here comes Mello, and he's he's been his number one supporter, so that's been great. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. I'm glad you brought that up, Brooke, because, you know, Dame and CJ, they've been there for so long. They're sort of the establishment there. Not even sort of. They are the establishment Mm -hmm. there on the team and in the locker room. And you bring in a guy with, like you just mentioned, he has a following. He has a presence. Um, There's added eyeballs and media media coverage and all of that. What's your sense about where they were before they even brought him on? I guess now, of course, you know, they're professionals. The guy comes Mm -hmm. on the team. They're going to treat him like a teammate. But where were they when he got there, essentially? Mm -hmm. Well, it's funny. <laughs> this is kind of the third go around with this. Uh, mm. Dame and CJ came out of, you know, we're vocal out saying we we reached out to Melo. You know, yeah. CJ worked out with him in the summers. 
Yes. And so they, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty tight. I'd say closer than he and Dame were because they just had so much time together in the summer, but they, they reached out and said, we think you'd be a great fit here. And it for you know, whatever reasons, uh, Carmelo didn't, didn't feel that way at the time, or, you know, logistically, um, we'll never know, know exactly why he didn't feel that way, but at the time, but it, I guess it is all about timing because they, they reached out again for the third time and said, really, you know, we need you, you need us. We need you. This is a good fit right now. And so there was a lot of communication between those two and it just, it, it all fell into place. And when he arrived, you know, we talked to Dave and CJ, I don't all the whole team about it and said, you know, how's this gonna, how's this gonna go? They said, listen, he's, he has proved himself. We want to, to be a part of his story and he hasn't had the, his final chapter hasn't been written yet. And there's been a, a few things that haven't gone his way. We want this to be a positive uh, situation for him. And not just like here, here Mello, we want to, you know, ride, ride with you on the way out. They're, they came out and said, we need him. We, we, this is a situation where we need him also. And so it's been, it's been fun to watch all three of those guys. They, they get along great. They have each other's back. There was one play a couple games ago. I think it was our first game back after the road trip. Mello uh, hit a three and there's a video, there's a, a shot of Dame uh, waiting to sub in and he's jumping up and down doing the three to the dome, like, <laughs> like just freaking out for him. So uh, it couldn't be a, a better fit in terms of relationship wise with those three guys. They're just, they're all there for each other. And, it, and again, like I mentioned earlier, you, you, you're not, you're unsure of how a situation like this might play out, but Dame is not someone who is a jealous person or, or needs to be, you know, on the man. It just comes with the territory because that's the kind of leader he is, but he is not, not one that, um, needs that sort needs to feel that he is one that supports his teammates. He's a great leader because he does that. Well, Brooke, one of the reasons why they needed Mello, and I think legitimately so, is that they just can't stay healthy. They just, they just lost Rodney Hood for the year with an Achilles on mm-hmm. top of the Nurkic injury, on top of the Zach Collins injury. Um, it's just been one thing after another with them. And I wonder if, like, I, I know they're still going to compete and all that, and they want to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but is it is it hard to kind of really assess what this team is with all of these guys out? Yes, it is. It is very difficult. It, and the thing is, before Nurk, uh, before Nurk's injury, the health was one of the assets that the Blazers had. You know, they, they really did a great. They were just they weren't injured. There was the health. Health was a, was an asset. Yeah. And uh, just it's been almost sho- a shock, like shocking situation because when Rodney went down, we all just kind of first of all, Rodney is a wonderful human being, and he was playing so well. It was just, it's a bummer of a situation, no matter how you look at it. Injuries always are. And I'm not saying, you know, you'd, 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 I'm not saying you'd want to talk to someone else. But I'm just saying just Rodney in particular, it was mm-hmm. like, not, not Rodney, man, not, not right now, not Rodney. So, so it's just one of those things where the guys look at each other and they say, well, what would Rodney want us to do? Want us to continue to compete. You know, we're sad for him as a friend and as a teammate. But we can't say, well, this season's over. You know, that's not that's not what Rodney would want. Nurkic, that's not what Zach Collins would want. And that's not what we want. So it's not a situation where they're they're saying, well, what are we going to do? You know, they yeah. say we're going to go out there and compete. And they continue to work on everything. They're competitors. You know, I talked to Dame a couple days ago and he said, all we can do is, you know, we can control what we can control. And the, th- the biggest thing for me is that we need to have more of a sense of urgency. We, we'd have that a lot towards the end of the season after all-star break when we're fighting, you know, for a specific spot in the playoffs. We need to have that same sense of urgency right now at this part of the season. We usually don't because we're, you know, 500 or better. But right now, that's not the way this team is. You know, we're not the same team as last year because of injuries because of changes to the roster. We're not the same team and we still have to figure things out. So we need to have more of a sense of urgency. And so they still want, you know, they still have high hopes. It's hard. I, I mean, Dame said, he's like, listen, I've been honest with you guys after every game I've ever played and in terms of speaking to the media. Mm. He's like, I'm not, I'm not going to come out here and, and pretend I'm not frustrated. I am frustrated. We are all frustrated, but that doesn't mean that I, I'm not still hopeful that we can figure it out. We've gone through stretches like this. Every part of a season we've played normally they're in the middle towards the end are this year. It's at the beginning of the season and we're not used to that, but that doesn't mean we can't get through it. So it's, there's, there's no sense of, well, season's over, yeah. you know, it's frustrating, but they're still going to compete. 
So the Blazers, have, everybody understands they underperformed. I don't think anybody agreed with Olshay and what was coming out of the team before the season when they were like championship and <laughs> well, we made it to the conference finals and that's our expectation. Like nobody actually thought that. But even if you, you know, consider, all right, this isn't a championship, they've underperformed and it's, you know, they've been a really bad team on defense. Right now they're 21st in the league in defensive efficiency. Uh, mm-hmm. They came into the season basically what it felt like to me as an outside observer mm-hmm. of it's either <laughs> it's either Zach Collins or bust because when you get somebody like Whiteside off of Miami, um, who they were dying to get off of, everybody was tired of him not just as a player but his attitude over there. Um, they they just went all in on Zach Collins and he's been hurt. What do you, I mean, what do they think about that decision now that they can look at it with twenty twenty vision? Well, I mean, you you never you don't want to make a. I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's tough to make a decision. It's thinking, well, I mean, but what if he gets hurt? You know, I, I mean, when, when Zach went down, it was reason I was like, well, that's, that's, I, just, I don't know much about shoulder injuries, but the hope was, you know, pop back in and, you know, we'll see him next game. And then this turns out to be a possible season ending injury. Mm. Um, I think that, you know, defensively, you're right. They, they have a lot to figure out and they're very open about that. Um, you know, last year, Chief was, uh, Alfred Mino was really the, you know, the anchor defensively and uh, that, he is no longer on the team, and with Zach out, uh, the defensive pre- defensive presence is is not there as much as it was last season. That's that's definitely true. So right now they're trying to figure that out, you know. And it's, you know they they have a lot of offensive weapons, that's for sure. With Dame CJ and now Carmelo, but defensively, you know, you, you see it out there. They're still getting to know each other. There's still you know there's a lot of miscommunication. Guys saying, well, you know, you're, why didn't you rotate? Why didn't, you know, you can see it in there and in timeouts, they'll, they'll, they'll talk to each other and explain like, you needed to do this. You needed to do, to do this, you know, not in a negative way, but just, mm-hmm. you know, communicating. And, um, I will say though, Hassan Whiteside has been solid. I mean, yeah, he's, I, I, he's been solid on the floor and off the floor, you know, he's a, he's a character, that's for sure. But <laughs> I think that he falls in, you know, and we talked about this, the only way this, this Hassan Whiteside thing is going to work. Um, and this is, I like to wait until I meet somebody and get, I don't, you know, just take everyone's opinion and say, well, this is, you know, I don't listen to that stuff. I like to make my own, uh, I like to decide for myself when I meet the person and, and I can see, you know, he's, I I like him. Uh, he's funny. And on the floor, I will say that he falls into the Damian Lillard, you know, leadership program, which is what we talked about. That's (laughs) the only way it's going to work is if he understands that. And you can sense sometimes, you know, he gets frustrated if he doesn't know something or he misses, you know, there's communications off, but Dame's always there to talk to him. And so far, so good. And I mean, he's been finishing at the rim. He's a monster uh, defensively. Uh, he had, was it eight blocks the other night? Um, so he's he's buying into the system and that's all you can ask at this point, you know. And so, so far, so good with that. He's defensively solid down low and kind of helps, you know, fix mistakes that, you know, maybe some uh, a guard will make defense or defensively. He's down there to, to clean it up. But yeah, there's, they have a long way to go defensively. They know it. They talk about it a lot. Um, hopefully just time spent together will help that. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, I say that on the same, uh, in the same conversation as saying that Dame said they need a sense of urgency. So they got to figure it out fast. Well, it's, it, I, I wanted to ask you about that because you, they do have all of these issues and they're trying to work Carmelo in and have had all these injuries. But as you know, there's always rumors about them and Kevin Love. There's now there's mm-hmm. rumors about Gallinari. And so I, and if they're not going to trade and, and Neil O'Shea has been very adamant that they're not going to trade Lillard, they're not going to trade CJ, they're not going to mm-hmm. trade Nurkic. Well, how do they get Kevin Love or how do they get Gallinari <laughs> or do they, or is that something they can even do now given all their injuries? Yeah, I, of course I've heard all those and, you know, people, it's so funny. I get all these texts like, I told you that Kevin Love was coming to Portland. People love to love the love situation. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Right. <laughs> um, but no, they will, I mean, in my opinion, and, you know, it's just my opinion. I agree with you. There's no get. Well, why would you ever want to get rid of Damian Lillard? He's he's right. the king of Poland. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, that's just not happening. It never will. And I say that as factual as I can possibly say an opinion is that he's never going anywhere. And uh, CJ, you know, and they're they're, they're just the, they're three. It's those are the three mainstays. That's what that's what got the Blazers to the Western Conference Finals last year. That is mm-hmm. that's that's the, the heart and soul of the team. So I don't, you know, I don't know. It's uh, I've heard, 
I, I don't have any inside info on that. I just know that those rumors are definitely circulating. Um, so far as to say last night, <laughs> you think you'll, you'll find this funny, um, right on the tail of our some white side stories. Um, I, last night he brought down a monster rebound and like, I think it was like, had a couple putbacks and finally got in. He said something to the bench, like Kevin Love can't do that. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Which I thought was amazing. I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, I mean, this one, it's just such an interesting season so far. That's the word I think I've said 20 times now because it's last year was all about consistency. Yeah. You know, the, we had the same starting five majority of the year unless someone was injured or was resting. And so things are just evolving and changing all the time. And, and I've never, it's, it's, there's a lot of unrest, you know, that's, a, that's the right word. It just, you can't, last year was just every day was like, go back to work. And, you know, the guys are all there, everyone's healthy. And this year you just never know what you're going to get. So, uh, Kevin Love, I, in the past, I, I, I believe I, you know, I read that he was not the, in the past, like years ago, not mm-hmm. all that interested in coming back. And now I guess it sounds as though he has changed his tune. Um, he's a great, he's a fantastic player. And all, from what I've heard, just a great dude. So uh, if, if he came, I think we'd figure it out. And hopefully uh, he would, you know, like Carmelo has done, kind of find his way with this team. But who knows? I don't know. I wish I could help you out. But who knows? <laughs> I hear it all and I don't know how it's going to play out. But if, however it's playing out, Dame, CJ and Nurk aren't going anywhere. That's for sure. Hmm. You know, it's great, Dave, when I hear that NBA players are just like me because, <laughs> I, you know, sometimes in the house, I'll, I'll, I cook around here every now and mm-hmm. again. And sometimes I'll make a dish that I'm so proud of and I'll tell my girlfriend, I know your ex-boyfriend never made this <laughs> stuff. This he never didn't, had. He didn't make your ex Benedict like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's no, really funny. You, I yeah, do want to ask him. About yeah, that, um, about the Kev Love, the Gallinari's, um, I've heard other names linked to the to the Blazers. Look, obviously they 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 had a goal of making the playoffs this year, and I think even though Dame signed an extension, um, you know, and they and they gave him that super large extension, uh, but like they have to be concerned about constantly putting a competitive product out on the floor. How concerned are they? Like, I know he signed for five years. It's the Supermax, And Dame is always, since the day that he's gotten there, said the right things. Um, how concerned are they about consistently putting a winner around this guy? Well, you know, that was addressed. That's been addressed a few times. And, um, a couple of years ago, it was, it caught, it was, there was a lot of media attention when he went and, um, met with, uh, the late Paul Allen, our our wonderful owner, is no longer with us. That who was very very involved, very very dedicated to the team. Um, he went and met with Paul, and they and they just had a chat. You know, at at the time it was blown out of proportion, and it seemed as though you know the, the narrative was Dame went to say, you know, I want to win, I need more, I need more help, blah blah blah. Afterwards, Dame, you know, talked to us and said that's not really what it was about. It was just I told him, you know, my my dedication to this city and this team, and that I. He said, I want, I want to win a championship. You know, I, I, that's what I, that's the goal here, of course. So Dame, though, he's a, he's a professional, you know, he knows that it's that right now it's the team is, is struggling and he's been very open about his frustration, but it's not, he's not frustrated to the point of, you know, this, what about me? Like I, I, mm-hmm. I need more around me. I need to, I want to win a championship. I deserve that. That's not ever been the way he approaches things. It's about um, just putting yeah, the best product out there that they can and, and figuring it out. And he just wants to always be competitive. You know, of course, this is kind of a foreign situation to him. He's been, um, very successful, you know, in his years and yeah. we, you know, got in the playoffs every year. So he, uh, I, I understand that, that I totally understand the question. And I, I, as long as he knows that the, the team is supporting him and, and trying to do that, he's gonna, he, he's good with that. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he gets frustrated and he wants to win. But he knows that Neil and company are, are have the same mindset that he does, you know, that they want they want to get there. They want to win a championship, too. So this year is a as one that there's just a lot of moving pieces, a lot of guys that, you know, they thought were going to be on the floor that aren't. And Dame's smart. He's savvy. He understands that. So I, he's he I think you guys probably read his article yesterday um, coming out of the Players Tribune. Yeah. But entitled loyalty is everything. <laughs> so. He is loyal to the soil to 
to quote one of his songs, Dame Dalla songs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, he wants to win it, but he wants to win it in Portland. And so I think that he'll be patient in, in this process because that his, his dream, his goal, he's told me a million times is he wants to be in a parade on Broadway street in Portland after a championship. He's vision, he's envisioned it a million times. So he wants to do it here. You know, I hear all of that, but I can't <laughs> help but remember, you know, Russell Westbrook. I stayed after KD. I love OKC. <laughs> Everything is all great. And all oh, the gravy and the, and the <laughs> concerts with Nas for Paul George and all yeah. that. Like, I remember all of that. And, you know, the guys in Houston now, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think because and, and again, he had signed his Supermax extension with OKC. Right. It was like mm-hmm. this idea of, um, you know, we're all in now. And again, this is just the cynical New Yorker in me. Oh, uh, you Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I'm just saying, Russell uh, Westbrook, let's face it. He's nowhere close to as effective a player as um, Dame Lillard still is, right? So it was kind of easy for OKC to be like, well, you want to go? Uh, we're not really too mad about that, right? Um, Obviously, Dame is still a plus player. But, I, you know, I always feel like teams, when they have superstars, they have to – and not to feel – quite frankly, I think they should feel threatened and scared that their superstars want to leave. You know, you shouldn't take these guys for granted, specifically a guy like Dame who's not just – um, an effective player on the court. What he does, he sets the tone culturally for mm-hmm. your entire organization. Like, that's invaluable. Mm-hmm. I I completely get it. And listen, I've been in the league a long time, too, and I, I got into it super naive, and I believed everything I heard. No, he says he wants to say, no, he no, he said, no, I believe him. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, and then the next day, yeah, they turn. But, and you're going to think I'm being a homer, and I'm drinking the Gatorade, and I've heard it from a million people because I've said this to a million people, and I get the same thing back. You're like, you just, you know, you're, 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 you're too naive. You believe it too much. But I'm, I'm just telling you that, and I, and you can come back and give me a call if, if this happens. But I really, truly believe after many, many heartfelt conversations, Dame is a different. I'm not. No, I'm not dogging on anybody that's left the team they said they were going to stay on. People make decisions for their families, for, you know, things we, we'll never know all, all the reasons for it. Oh, you're not calling Westbrook a hypocrite? <laughs> I mean, I didn't say it, right? It's not right, Dave. You're not calling that? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, remain... Um, you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I mean, I have, I, have, I have judged and questioned and been like, come on, you think... You just, you, you go, like, you know, everyone kind of, a lot of the sentiment when Kevin Durant goes to Golden State, like, really? But for me, having many personal conversations with, with Dame, when he says loyalty, it means something to him. It really, really does. And he's always been underestimated. You know, Lieber State, you know, they, they had, they took a chance on him. He's loyal to them. He goes back there all the time. He still uh, trains with his personal, or his not personal trainer, his, his team trainer from uh, Lieber State. They're, like brothers he comes up here every summer he goes back there as much as he can he he talks about you know portland took a chance on me you know when others didn't know you know didn't didn't believe in me and there's just something about damian lillard's loyalty to people that believed in him and it's real he's he's shown it he's shown it in terms of going back to oakland and you know oakland is 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 home but portland is is where he lays his head now, he says, or some line in a song, but <laughs> it's about, you know, every, every place he's been, he is loyal to. And he's just, he's told me a million times that, that Portland believed in me and I will never forget that. And this is where I wanted to do it. So I, I, I don't believe that he would ever leave. That's again, people say I'm naive and that I just, I'm saying, I'm putting out into the universe what I want, <laughs> but I, I really, that's what I believe. I, I think that he is, Portland is home for him and you, now, and he, he will write it out and he's not going anywhere. That's me. I said it. You can write it down and call me back later if something happens. But oh, I really that down. I, got, I, I put it in the calendar. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to circle this date every year. We'll come back and be like, this is the day so, I said it would never happen. Brooke, I, wanna, I wanted to ask you, speaking of, of guys that, that ultimately, you know, opted out, you started, you know, with Indiana and the Pacers mm-hmm. and Paul George came back. It wasn't his first time back the other day uh, with mm-hmm. the Clippers. He got booed and I mean, pretty harshly too. And yeah. um, I just wonder, like there was some thought about, well, Larry, when he was there, he didn't want to play the four and Larry made him play the four. And that's why he wanted to be traded. And you, you know, all the characters in here, 
I mean, one, why are they still booing him like that? Like it's been several years since he left there. You know? <laughs> and number two, um, you know, he tried to say all the right things, but I get the feeling that that's what Paul always does. And I wonder if you have any theories as to why, what really kind of got him to the point where he didn't want to be there anymore. Um, I think that, well, so I've been lucky when I was in uh, Indiana, we went to playoffs every single year. I was there in Eastern conference finals. And, and so the Pacers were so happy. It was, it was a fun time because as you know, the Pacers after, um, I don't even like saying the word, but after the, <laughs> the incident, yes, I mean, we, I, it was like, I wasn't really even supposed to, it wasn't supposed to come out of my mouth. Like don't talk about it. But after that happened, it was, it was sad because a lot of fans, you know, well, obviously, you know, you, you don't want your team to be out there in a brawl. That's not a good look. Mm. And then so, uh, the, this basketball state, you know, the Pacers were everything. And after that, uh, a lot of fans, they were sour on, on the team and, to be quite frankly, after I mean, I had a lot, a lot of conversations about this. They turned into Colts fans, and the Colts were very successful. And mm-hmm. so they had a difficult time with uh, f- with fans come, buying tickets, coming to games because they had really kind of turned. And then you bring this team in: Danny Granger, Paul George is a star, Roy Hibbert, George Hill, and they were everything was was falling into place, and, yeah. and they were very good, and the team was fun, and fans were were back, you know. And so that was such a, a a high time for Pacers fans and that they kind of like Paul George was, was the, was the golden child of all of that really. And so I think for them, it was a a personal thing because that was, he was kind of the face of their, their, their newfound success again. So I think that that was, uh, that was where maybe the bitterness and it comes into it because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, it kind of, wait wait a second, we were all, we were rolling and Paul was leaving and he, he was fishing on, you know, he was fishing every day and said he loved Indiana. <laughs> you know, and said, what happened to that? He loved it here. Yeah. So I think that their feelings were hurt. You know, like you, you said you were you, you were said the guy. you loved me. You said you loved me. You they, all of you men lie. Yeah. <laughs> so so Brooke, I think that's where that comes into play. I got you. But I'm inter- and and you know, I tend to kind of think fans take this stuff way too personally and overreact. I don't like I'm somebody who actually gives the fans the benefit of the doubt and think you can buy tickets, watch the games on TV, buy jerseys without being overly irrational and kind of ridiculous and over the top. But with Paul George, I tend to not be on his side because the the guy, quite frankly, says a lot of horse shit. Like (laughs) when he got when he got when he signed to the Clippers, of course, like David mentioned, um, always trying to say the right thing. He said he was a Clippers fan his whole life. I mean, mm-hmm. we have you on tape, video. <laughs> like, we have you saying that you were a Lakers fan before that. So, and he's constantly doing this type of thing in public. So I'm inclined to not believe, sorry, a word Paul George has to say. Like, do you have any idea what he was talking about when he says, essentially, it was people in the Indiana organization that are to blame for his departure? You know, I don't look in terms of that. I know that the last year I was there when they did go to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, there was some, uh, there was the team, there was some issues with the team, like in, in terms of the actual team and getting along some personal mm-hmm. stuff. And um, so that, that played a role. And I mean, that, that's why it looked like a different team in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals, because there was some uh, there was some some stuff going on with just with just the guys in general. Um, I, I believe they ended up figuring it out, but it wasn't. It was there was definitely some unrest during uh, during that series. So that I think played a role in terms of can you bring this this team back as it is because it, you kind of saw them just like they just turned. It was just like a different team after that. Um, but in terms of with the front office, there I can honestly say I don't I don't know anything about that in terms of. It, if he was dealing with anything with Larry Bird, that's something I would never, I would didn't hear about and w- probably wouldn't know about um, because they kept that stuff pretty buttoned up. But with in terms of Paul George, just from my personal interactions with him, um, he was he's a he's a nice person. He has a great family. His parents are absolutely wonderful. His sisters he comes from a, just a great family. He is more of a guy that you know. You talk to these guys that are like real team leaders and out you know vocal and mm-hmm. out there, and they, that's. That's really, and I, I, I'm not. I don't think Paul would disagree with me on this. I don't think that's his role. I don't think he wants that to be his role. He is, and I'll say this because I'm the same way. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser to a fault, 
And I think sometimes, you know, in a situation, you'd rather say what people you think they want to hear rather yeah. than what's really going on. And that doesn't, that isn't necessarily the right thing to do, but sometimes it's just what you think you should do to, to protect people around you and, and protect people in general. And then sometimes that comes back to get you. So I, I've done it a million times. Uh, it's something I'm personally trying to work on. <laughs> and I think Paul's a little bit like that where you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to, maybe you say, you say what you, I mean, you believe it at, at the time, but then, you know, you sit back and think, and then you're like, well, this would be a better decision or this makes more sense for my family and I. And then you, you go back on what you, you said. And, you know, I think we have all done it. I think Paul is more of a, like that in terms of when he's talking to the media. I don't think he's out there legitimately like lying or saying, you know, some, I don't think it's that. I just think that sometimes you just, you don't want to rock the boat. So last thing for me, um, every year I try to get out to Portland once a year just to get to the Nike store. Mm-hmm. So how do you budget your trips out there <laughs> so that you don't spend half of your salary every year on all the gear that's available out there? Cause I, I will, sp- I will drop a couple G's. I'm not lying. <laughs> Quickly. You know how, Oh, it's, it's so easy. You know, I, I would kind of, I, I would compare that to is like, I like to play slots. Mm-hmm. So if I lived, if I lived in Vegas, I, I would just tell myself you're not you're no longer a gambler because I couldn't do it. So living in Portland, I try to not go to the Nike store <laughs> as much as I can because it's right down the street. So I'll do it once a year right before Christmas. And, you know, you spend a ton of money, but then, you, you know, you tell yourself, but it could it would have been this amount of money, you know, just to try to make it OK in your mind. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's a, it's such it's such a good deal. Yeah. Whenever people come out here, that's all. That's the first thing that they want to do is go to the Nike store, and it's every every team that you know comes here, of they have a Nike stop. And so it's funny when I friends with all the most of the sideline reporters and really close to some of them. And whenever they're coming to town, I say, "Okay, when can we get together?" First of all, just let me know when you go to the Nike store. We'll work, we'll work around that because <laughs> they always got to get to the Nike store. Yeah, when are you coming to Portland? By the way, I'm I'm working my way out there, but you know, I like I have to I have to prioritize the the winning teams <laughs> wow after all this time i've given you <laughs> that is so cool. i'm oh, kidding DJ. it's a joke come on cold. have a sense of humor you gotta have a sense of humor to get through the tough right. times or so so, so, what, so was what we've got out of this is brooke is a degenerate gambler and, <laughs> and a huge <laughs> homer <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could have told you that before we started this. Brooke, my love, thank you for doing yeah. this. This has been wonderful. Thank you for your insights and your humor and the great job you do covering that team. It's really, you're really great. Thank you so much. And, and I'll tell the guys that they really need to start winning so exactly. that you'll come visit Portland. It's very simple. That's all yeah, I'll, I'll let them know that there's incentive. <laughs> David Aldridge is going to visit if you guys start winning. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're <laughs> real excited about that. <laughs> Talk to you soon, my love. Thank you. You got Thank it. You Bye, time, guys. Bro. No problem. Nice to meet you. Ever wonder how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Now, millions are using StockX to find everything after it sells out. From the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Palace and Kith. Was hook an old man up. What should I be looking for for Christmas presents for my kids? Oh, that's easy. Um, Mike is Mike and Jordan Brand are, are coming out this Saturday with what are called the bread, black and red. That's what bread stands for. Ah. Jordan Elevens, which is I think unequivocally his most iconic shoe. That's the patent leather ones. Yep. If you remember correctly, remember he did the little commercial where he's flying and he noticeably stepped on a step. <laughs> oh, that's I can't enjoy but those are coming out this Saturday, and um, you know they're probably going to sell out. You know, some people are not on it; like they're not going to be up at nine a.m. ready with the sneakers app to get it. So you can go on StockX and grab those. And then even for stuff that hasn't just come out, uh, I went to a Clipper game recently, and I saw Patrick Patterson wearing a classic pair of Nike Air Max Up Tempos. 
Um, those came out, I want to say, man, that was like 96, 97-ish. Um, and I was just floored. I was like, wow, Pat Pat, he's got a nice little sneaker collection. So I went on StockX, and lo and behold, they had a pair. There you know, you they go. had numerous pairs. So it's not even just brand new sneakers that come out. It's any sneaker that crosses your mind. If you can think it, it probably more than likely exists on StockX. And, you know, what I love, of course, unlike some of the other secondary market platforms, we won't name them here. Obviously, you guys know who they are. Uh, StockX has an authentication um, process where you know you're getting a genuine article every single time you order from them, which I think is just an invaluable tool. So, yeah, man, go to StockX for all your sneaker, streetwear, purses, watches needs. There you go. Now, StockX has an exciting offer for the athletic listeners. Use promo code BBALL19 for $20 off your next purchase. You can visit StockX.com slash BBALL for more information. for being fantastic as always first and foremost um but i wanted to get to the weekly style ratings was your top 10 we have a we have a number one that you it seemed like you didn't really want to give it to him but then he came through in the end with a couple of things that you like so roll, roll through it with pj tucker well, like, like I always say, PJ Tucker is my favorite person to pay attention to. The, the very reason that I'm even doing the style ranking is because of PJ Tucker. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I just think the guy is the guy, what he's been able to craft for himself um, off the court is nothing short of groundbreaking, honestly. I don't know if I've talked to you since he signed his sneaker deal with Nike. I don't think um, so. Yeah, he so he re he he's re-signed with Nike. But what's interesting, David, um, is that P.J. Tucker's a role player. He's a lunch pail guy. He's probably the fourth best player on his own team. Um, These are not the kind of guys who start bidding wars in the sneaker business. These are not the kind of guys Mm -hmm. who like um, who matter, who are relevant. He's the first of his kind. I think the only other person that you could even compare is probably Dennis Rodman, Mm -hmm. who had a situation with Converse way back in the days. But other than that, there's never been a type, the type of player that CJ PJ Tucker is to get this level of attention for what he's doing off the court culturally. Um, And so I just think it's fascinating what he's doing. So I'm watching him. All the time. And so, yeah, he had a great week, of course, number one. Um, you know, I thought Chris Paul did his thing. Dame Lillard wore a really interesting custom suit. Yes. Um, we got a chance. Yeah, a lot we of got comments about it there was. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, people, the people thought it was repulsive. But, you know, I, like, again, not something I personally would wear. Uh, you know, I, I will say that right off the bat. Not something I personally would wear. But I thought it was cool and it's a departure from what he normally does, which is he's a pretty conservative guy in how he dresses, which is something I appreciate. He's not dressing up in a Halloween costume every game. He's wearing stuff that's true to himself, which I think is what style is all about. And we got a chance to talk to Aaron Nicole and Desiree over there at um, It's Good, his, mm-hmm. his, um, his wardrobe consultant. They right. actually are an arm of Goodwin, the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got a chance to reach out to them, talk to them about the custom piece. They talked about what went into it. I just thought it was cool to talk to those two young women. They, they, you know, they, they're entrepreneurs. They're doing their thing out here in L.A. So... Um, they, it was nice to talk to them about it, and and they generally do a great job with Dame Lillard anyway. So I just thought it was dope to talk to them. And then um, the last thing is, you know, Sergi, but yes, so Serge made it. <laughs> Sergi Baca finally made the list. There's a few people who make the list who um who generally uh. Who in the comments every week, people are complaining about them not being on the list. Kelly Oubre, Sergi Baca, Westbrook. There's a few people, you know, um, Damari Carroll. There's a few people who don't make the list every week. Ibaka is always at the top of people's tongues like, Serge is so well-dressed, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to explain to people, like, I come from a family of um, immigrants like my mom. I moved to America in 1976. My dad, my sister moved to America when she was about 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I have cousins that came around the same age who are all, you know, probably got like 13 years older than me. Not that Serge is in that 
age range. But what I'm trying to say is, like, I know a lot of upwardly mobile American immigrants. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and what Sergi Baca does, honestly, is just the same as every other upwardly mobile immigrant right, right. from the West African nations. It's boring to me. Sorry, <laughs> this is my list. It's subjective. <laughs> I don't, I'm not impressed by it. He dresses like my cousins, quite frankly. I, you know, like I can't do it with Sergi Baca. But he finally did something that I thought was pretty cool. So we we decided to throw him on the list. And I will say, anybody who does care, we will address the Westbrooks, the Ubres. The, the Sergi Bacchus of the world before the year is over. So right. be on the lookout for that. You can do that without putting them on the list, I think. Exactly. You can do a special report on exactly. Westbrook. Exactly. I like that. And I finally did see the 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 what what Serge wore in March of this year that, that Lord, got, got him in drip jail. And wow, wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. No, he did need to do some he did need to do some penance yeah. to get back on the list. Oh yes. man. Well, uh as always, man, appreciate it. Uh appreciate y'all listening. And if you if you are in the position to leave a review of the show, please leave a five star review. Tell everybody how great we are, even if you don't mean it, because it helps. So we'll talk to you next time. See you. <laughs>